Welcome to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank that brings you market views and insights on the go. Hello everyone, my name is Manpreet and welcome to the Through the Noise podcast. Now this week, it's all about commodities. Uh, the asset class took center stage last week uh, and the key event, of course, was OPEC Plus's decision to cut output. Now, I thought it was, it was a good opportunity to dig into OPEC's history a little bit and no surprise that history is quite fascinating. OPEC as an organization is now over 60 years old, having been founded in September 1960 with just five founding members, which was Saudi Arabia, Iran, Iraq, Kuwait and Venezuela. Membership grew, of course, to 10 by the end of the 1960s and 13 by the mid-1970s. OPEC's website, of course, has a great history page if you want to dig a little bit more into this. But today, to discuss what OPEC's decision um, and indeed the jump we've seen in gold prices means for investors, I'm joined by Abhilash Narayan, who's a senior investment strategist in the CIO office. So welcome, Abhilash. And, uh, you know, the first thing I want to talk about was that it seems like the market is still in the bad news is good news mode. Uh, can you help our listeners uh, understand a, a little bit more about why you see it that way? Thank you, Manpreet. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Over the past week, we've seen, you know, weaker than expected uh, economic data come out of the U.S. But if you look at the market reaction, both equities and bonds have delivered positive returns. Uh, and as you alluded to it, uh, gold has breached a psychologically important level of $2,000 per ounce. Now, if you take a step back, it seems that the central bank liquidity boost that we saw to stem the U.S. banking crisis did to a certain degree feed the good news is bad news narrative in, in second half of March as investors have started to price in Fed rate cuts in second half of the year, which obviously has driven bond yields lower, uh, especially for the shorter maturity bonds. Now, this week's surprisingly weak global manufacturing uh, business confidence indicators, such as PMIs, uh, including contractionary U.S. new orders PMI, uh, you know, followed the surprising uh, drop in in U.S. services sector. uh, And that obviously has turned the focus back to the risk of U.S. recession in the next six to 12 months. There are also other signs of slowdown in U.S. job market. So U.S. job openings fell sharply, you know, to below 10 million for the first time since May 2020. 21. That's almost two years. And, you know, at the same time, we have seen uh, uh, OPEC plus cut uh, oil oil supply, which is likely to result in in higher oil prices and hurt global consumer demand, you know, in the coming months as the jump in oil prices is likely to act as a tax on consumers. So, you know, with with US job markets slowing down, combined, uh, you know, combine that with elevated inflation, interest rates, you know, we see that there could be a further headwind to corporate earnings and risk assets. Okay, so let, let's dig a little bit more into gold prices. Um, we're not, uh, prices are not far away from previous record highs, uh, but do you expect prices to keep rising, perhaps to even, even higher and a new record high? Yes, absolutely. I mean, if you look at uh, the uh, the gold prices, they are barely 2% away from breaking the all-time high of $2,075 per ounce, which was the peak that we saw uh, during COVID crisis in, in August 2020. Now, if you look at gold's price action, it has obviously jumped 
about 10% since start of March. And if you go all the way back to September last year, since then gold prices have increased by around 25%. And when you look at the magnitude of price increases, uh, it suggests that there are other drivers for, for gold besides the fall in, in US dollar and the fact that inflation adjusted yields have moved lower. Uh, it seems to me that you know US banking crisis in March, which briefly spilled over into Europe as well, has led to a flight of safety and that has fed into demand for gold. Now, if we take a 6 to 12 month horizon, we do expect gold to scale a new record uh, at around $2,100 per ounce, uh, you know, as US enters recession over that same period. Okay, no, thanks. Uh, but but I, I think one thing I find interesting, uh, of course, is if I take a look at our FX forecasts, um, despite what you described on gold and what we saw from OPEC, um, you know, we don't seem to necessarily expect commodity currencies to be the key winner. In fact, it's European currencies where, you know, on a three and 12 month uh, horizon, we expect the biggest upside. Uh, can you help our listeners understand what the drivers for, for that relative view are? Uh, sure, Manpreet. Now, uh, if you look at the absolute forecast, we expect both European and commodity currencies to rise modestly, uh, you know, in a backdrop of a weaker dollar. But as you uh, rightly mentioned, we do expect euro to outperform uh, most of the other currencies on a three month horizon. Now, if we dig into the, the view on, on euro, one of the big driver for a bullish euro view is the monetary policy divergence. So relative to US, Europe arguably faces marginally higher inflationary pressures and slightly lesser growth concerns, you know, as the much feared energy price shock to, ener to economic activity failed to materialize in Europe due to unusually mild winter. Now, this means that while we expect Fed to hike rates by 25 basis points uh, in the upcoming meetings before going on a pause uh, and likely cutting before end of the year, on the other hand, we expect ECB to raise rates by 50 basis points and then stay on hold till 2024. This, of course, is likely to offer euro a big relative yield advantage over the US dollar and likely to lead to its price appreciation. If we shift our focus to commodity currencies, we think that they do face two headwinds relative to uh, the EU. So first of all, uh, while you know Chinese economic growth is likely to benefit them, uh, China's uh, growth will arguably be less commodity intensive as the authorities there are focused on boosting domestic consumption rather than promoting investment. Uh, and secondly, uh, we think that the vulnerability in, in housing markets in, domestic, in developed worlds due to you know, the tight monetary policy is likely to curtail building activity and by extension, the demand for commodities. And these headwinds explain why we like commodity currencies uh, to appreciate, why we expect them to appreciate, but we expect them to underperform euro uh, on a relative basis over the next three months. Uh, nonetheless, uh, if you're looking at... Uh, currencies from a two to four week perspective, we think that the technical signals for Euro, Australia, Euro Aussie, Euro Kiwi, and even Euro CAD are likely neutral. So, you know, we would watch out for, for more attractive technical signals on Euro versus commodity currency pairs in the coming few weeks. All right. And then finally, maybe just coming back to OPEC, I mean, given the surprise decision we had to for, for, from them to cut oil output, does that impact your view on oil prices and energy sector equities? Well, uh, OPEC clearly surprised the markets over the weekend by announcing the unexpected oil production cut of around 1.65 million barrels per day, uh, effective from May 2023. Uh, this obviously follows the production cut of around 2 million barrels per day announced in October of 2022. 
Now, what's really interesting about this announcement is that it was voluntary in nature, uh, with the production cut responsibilities largely being shared among OPEC Plus members who have a strong compliance track record. So if you look at the list, uh, you know, it includes five of the largest OPEC plus members uh, with Saudi Arabia leading the way by pledging a 500,000 uh, uh, barrels per day reduction. And Russia also extended its oil production cut to around 500,000 barrels per day through 2023. Now, while uh, this does address uh, the the supply surplus in in markets uh, in light of uh, weakening uh, growth data uh, in the in the recent time, we think that you know one of the key drivers for for this announcement was more precautionary in nature. Saudi Arabia did call these precautionary measures aimed at supporting stability of the oil market. But the second factor which likely prompted the cut was the lack of U.S. follow-through in refilling uh, refilling its strategic petroleum reserves, even after oil prices fell into a range where it had earlier said that it would start the purchases. Now, in the near term, we believe that you know uh, WTI oil prices could temporarily overshoot uh, uh, our, our $70 per barrel forecast of the next three months. But if we shift our focus to the long run, we would keep a close watch on three potential drivers. <clears throat> so the first one is, uh, you know, while the cuts have been announced, uh, we need to see an actual follow through in terms of reduction in production volume. So that that's the first thing to watch out for. Secondly, U.S.'s reaction to OPEC plus cut, particularly with, with respect to SPR refill purchases, is also important. And thirdly, uh, we need to see the degree to which oil demand contracts on slowing global growth. Uh, on balance, we see OPEC plus uh, price cuts moderately raising the upside risk to our 12-month forecast of uh, $65 per barrel. Uh, now, OPEC plus decision is likely to be incrementally positive uh, in the near term to energy sector equities as well, uh, which jumped uh, this week in, in tandem with oil prices. But we have recently closed our overweight on energy sector as we are starting to see negative earnings revision come through. And that's something that we think will continue over the next few months. So, you know, we would actually use the latest oil price rebound as an opportunity to reduce exposure to energy sector equities. All right. Good opportunity to reduce exposure. Uh, thanks. Thanks, Abhilash. Uh, let's sort of, uh, you know, bring the discussion to an end at that point. Um, if I can sort of just sum up for investors, what I really took away from today's conversation was first, that an allocation to gold, we believe is still attractive, despite prices being uh, you know, not far from record highs. Uh, second, of course, as we as Abhilash just discussed, the oil price rebound, uh, we believe offers a good opportunity to rebalance away from energy sector equities towards more defensive equity sectors in the US and Europe. And finally, of course, uh, while we do see an attractive three-month opportunity to go long the euro versus commodity currencies, the shorter term technicals, of course, perhaps not quite in place uh, from, from a two to four week perspective. So, so, so we're, of course, focusing more on opportunities in Euro Sterling, uh, Sterling Swiss Franc and Aussie CAD for the time being. So we'll end the podcast there. Uh, thanks, Abhilash, uh, for joining joining us today. Um, and thank you, listeners, of course, for taking the time to listen to us. Um, wish you a great weekend ahead and we look forward to speaking to you again next week. Thank you for listening to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank. For more details on the latest market insights, subscribe to Standard Chartered Money Insights.